0: out get ready to receive what the Lord has given to him if you're watching online we are here at 3025 Southwestwood in Poplar Bluff Missouri and we invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing and uh, you can remember see all the services that we've had archived there online as well God bless you thank you good morning good to see everyone here today It's always good to go to gather together each and every week and uh, and just get to worship together and to be encouraged. So today (coughs) I'm going to be in a uh, in a passage in Philippians chapter three. Uh, The name of the the message is the pendulum. Everybody say the pendulum. pendulum. Yeah, the pendulum. This is going to be out of Philippians chapter three. We'll start um, start in verse one and we'll go for a little bit, not not through the entire chapter, but we'll go through. Um, at least the first half of it, and kind of see where that leads us, but let's go to it. He says this, this is Paul writing, (coughs) Paul writing a letter. He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Isn't that so good? And this has a safeguard for you. So this this also tells us, if you're looking at, at the reading, contextually you're looking at it with with intentionality that he has written similar things to these guys before right that's what that tells us furthermore rejoice in the lord it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you how many guys know that it's important for us to revisit things so that we can remember why it's important for us to do or to remember or to act in certain ways it's important that's why when you go to school There's a huge piece of school to where you have to go through and review. Sometimes you feel like you're going through the same information consistently. How many guys at your job, you have done something brand new every single time and you have not yet repeated some of the activities that you've done before? That does not work, right? You get hired to do a specific job, but in that specific job, you have to repeat things over and over. And as you repeat it, the first time you do it, you may be horrible at it. You may not be the greatest. You may be mediocre, but as time progresses, you will get better, right? Yeah. We should be doing this in our own lives. We learn as we go through different seasons and different eras that there are things that we can do very well. And there are things that we don't do very well and things that we have to learn and grow in and develop in. We should all be experiencing this in our lives. So he says, again, uh, it doesn't, doesn't cause me any trouble to write these same things to you. It's a safeguard for you, actually. So, and then he goes right into it. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. We're going to pause right there. It's important to think about what he's actually talking about there when, of course, he goes through and says, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, those people. You, you, you think about the, the, the context in which he's writing this letter. Who is he writing this to? Is he writing this to nonbelievers? Nope. All of the pastoral and the epistles, the pastoral letters, the epistles, all, all these things, uh, the Pauline epistles, the, these were all written to believers, either singular, as in when he was writing to Timothy, or to Titus, or they were written to a church, a body of individuals who were living in a specific area who believed in Jesus. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he died on the cross and rose from the grave. They were gathering together and holding services, just like we hold services. They were also going and meeting in each other's houses and breaking bread and, and doing life together, sharing many of their activities with one another. And so he's not writing to unbelievers, we can all agree to that. Amen. It's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers. And so when he's saying, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers and those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. He's saying, take your eyes off of things and of, off of individuals who do not represent the true gospel. Take your eyes off of them as the as the main source of your. Um, of your context of living. That is, those are not the people that you should be modeling your life specifically after. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit. That's super important. We serve God by his spirit. Not just by rule. But by relationship. Who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. You say, what does that mean, Paul? Well, he goes into it. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Remember, he's saying in, in because we are the people who are the circumcision. By that, he means we are the ones who our hearts have been circumcised. Our hearts have, rem, have been removed of the things that would cloud up any of the judgment that we would be able to have. It removes the the ability to come together. And <coughs> In Jewish tradition, they would have to be circumcised. The males would have to be circumcised in order to follow along with the Jewish law. And that was extremely important and you were not following after the law of the lord if you weren't if you didn't circumcise the males in your household and so paul being the great teacher that he was he was letting people know that it's not the circumcision of the flesh that you should be after and just the activity it's a circumcision of your heart where you can be open and available for what the lord has in store for you and be in relationship and so when he says circumcision there he's not meaning outward he's meaning inward Because, he said, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. And this is what's really cool about Paul. He lets people know kind of his resume. He kind of details some of his resume. He doesn't go into extreme detail, but he gives you enough to know that this guy is the real deal in what he's talking about. He says this, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh— i have more (laughs) so he said if you think you have have a pretty decent rap sheet you should check out my resume check out my accolades and here it is verse five he said i was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of israel of the tribe of benjamin a hebrew of hebrews in regard to the law a pharisee as for zeal persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law faultless so he goes through and says, yes, I was. I was I have followed the law from day one. I've done much great things in, in the eyes of those who just dictate their lives by the law. He was in the tribe of Benjamin. He was called the Hebrew of Hebrews. And regarding the law, he was a Pharisee. So he was a top scholar of those days in what the law was requiring people. So much so that he persecuted Christians because of the... the uh, The dedication to the law itself. And as for righteousness based on the law. Again righteousness based on. On your activity. Faultless. He said he has been. Very faithful to these things. Verse seven. But whatever were gains to me. I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. What is more. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, who for the sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is really valuable, right here. Seeing the the rap sheet that Paul had and the the things that qualified him. I mean, in the in the eyes of people who are all around, <coughs> before he. Was, was known as a, as a believer in Christ, he was very well known among all types of Jews because of his, his rapport, because of the things that he's gone through. His knowledge surpassed many. And then when he came to know to know Jesus, he, he could have all kinds of status. Everyone in the church knew about this guy because of his reputation of persecuting Christians and following the law. And I'm sure that there was much confusion between some people as they were trying to figure out which which side they should really be on if they should follow along the jews who did not believe that jesus was the messiah Or seeing the evidence of what christ did inside of others Following after who christ was and and having someone like a paul who is Fiercely persecuting them would have been very difficult to have to navigate in their culture But then whenever he became a christian, that was a huge deal as well That was a That's like a celebrity from from uh, a different a different belief system coming through and and sharing that they now believe in jesus That's massive and, and paul says look my my reputation my rap sheet. It doesn't mean anything if I don't have christ I actually consider everything a loss because it's the per- surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ, bless you, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is a, this, this concept of, of being righteous through faith is something that wrecked a guy named uh, Martin Luther when he was alive. He was uh, he's coined as being the one who's the, the father of the uh, the Protestant Reformation. He was really impacted by some of the writings of a, of a couple of people who came before him, and John Wycliffe and, and, uh, and Jan Hus. And these guys were people who fiercely loved Jesus and who did not seek after performance in order to attain salvation. And so Martin Luther... Was someone who's very similar to a Paul type of figure. This guy was was a brilliant mind. He went to uh, he went to an, uh, an Augustinian monastery. He was extremely musical. He was one of the top um, top musicians in that monastery as well. Wrote lots of music. Was very very influential. And that means he was very dedicated. He even would go many many nights of, of fasting and prayer, and still felt like he. Did not have the grace in his life to overcome sin. And so went through lots and lots and lots of, of, of troublesome times. Trying to figure out what it is that he needed to do. And as he was reading through uh, the book of Romans. He was doing some study. He found that it is not, it is not by works that you're saved. But it's by faith. Yeah. It's by faith that you're saved. And so he read much of Paul's writings. And that really, really Gave him some confidence in knowing that it's not him, his own works that gives him the achieving salvation. But it's what Jesus did on the cross. And his belief in Christ that, that gave him that access to it. It's by faith that you're saved. Amen. Through grace. And so Paul here is like, look, it's not the righteousness that comes from my own self. By following the law, but it's that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That revelation, if we can hold on to that, that would transform our mentality of thinking. That I want to know Christ. But this is not just head knowledge. He said yes to know the power of his resurrection in participation in his sufferings. We talked about this a little bit, I believe it was last week or the week before. That being a Christian also means that we, as followers of Jesus, should expect to follow the same things that Jesus had to go, go and encounter. And we should not be surprised when we encounter things that Jesus had to go through. He went through temptation, he went through betrayal, betrayal of someone very close with him. He went through times of loneliness not in the fact that, that God was separate from him, but the fact that he was away from people. Felt abandoned, could have as well, whenever he was at the Garden of Gethsemane and, and he was praying f- uh, fervently for what was about to happen and some of his disciples were exhausted and sleeping whenever he wanted them to join with him and so he could have felt like he was, he was not supported by those around him. He went through being... Persecuted and called names, and and had stories made up about him, and and false accusations, and was taken to court even, and then found guilty to the point of death when he did not do any wrong. And so Paul is is letting us know, hey, uh, uh, to know to know Christ is not just to know that I am saved, is to know that I can also participate in the things that help me a representative of what it means to truly be saved And then he says in verse 12 now that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal or not sorry not now Sam yeah, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me brothers and sisters I do not compare or consider myself, yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying, look, I haven't arrived. Paul is saying, look, I've with all these accolades and good things that I have on this rap sheet, I I still have yet to arrive into this place of fully being aware of of all the things that he had just listed there. But realize that I cannot look back on my resume and the things that I've done that have been great and wonderful. Sure. You can go in many different places and be be well esteemed, but he's like, I I cannot concentrate on those things. I have to push forward. And to push forward is not to look behind. It's very hard to drive a car if you're staring in the rearview mirror. It's also extremely hard to, to drive a car if you're completely turned backwards and looking out the back glass. That's very difficult. Some of us, we may be in that state to where we are just looking out the back glass. We're not even looking forward, not looking mirror, We're not looking in the rearview mirror. We're not looking the side mirrors. We're just staring in the back, just wishing we were back there, hoping we can hit reverse real quick. Maybe you are putting it in reverse and try to go that way. For some of us, we may feel like we're a little more stealthy and checking out the, the past a little bit more and that we are checking out the, the mirrors as much as we can, constantly looking back, constantly looking back. But being distracted for what's actually happening forward. You know, car, cars have crazy capabilities d- of doing things nowadays. We we just got a van, dad life. It's like the real deal now. Got a van, like let's go. <laughs> I got a van and everything. So in the in in vehicles, they even have like these lane assists and you know motion detection and and all these things. And there, there's even a function on on this vehicle where. When you're driving on the highway, if you have it in cruise control, and you approach, and you can hit settings of this, too, of how far, how close you want this to happen, it will slow your vehicle down as it senses that there's another vehicle in front of you. So you don't even have to touch the brake whenever you're going. You just wait until you either have to pass the person up, and then it'll accelerate for you back to the place where you had set the cruise control on. Wild technology. Wild crazy how the holy spirit can do those things for us as well at times but there's also a position where i think that you can be over reliant on something because you don't actually want to do the driving as well we need to have discernment 1050% discernment needs to be have had you need to be able to listen to the holy spirit and be able to move and navigate and there's sometimes where you are just going through life The same exact way and it seems like things are just happening opening up and there's opportunities and there's great things that are going on And it's like I didn't have to touch anything and the lord is just doing this for me. This is wonderful But then there's other times where you have to actually take hold of the wheel And you have to actually do some navigating in there as well And be confident in the tools that the holy spirit has instilled in you Through the the working of your salvation with fear and trembling as you're going through time And then through that learning you're able to move forward Whenever a kid turns 15, they don't just say, okay, cool, go and drive just whatever you want to. That's great. Go take an 18-wheeler. Just take that thing and just go crazy. That's awesome. You've never sat and driven a vehicle? Psh, who cares? Use a clutch. Go for it. That's a good time. You don't do that. That's not how it goes. They actually make people go through st- at least six months Usually when you turn 15, you go through that whole year um, time of of sitting with somebody else in a vehicle, and you have to drive under the supervision of a licensed driver so that you can learn some things. If you want to graduate and go into, you know, driving an 18-wheeler, then there's actually a process of education you have to go through in order to obtain that license that's much different than just going and taking a driver's test for your driver's license. and then when you get in that scenario then you're on your own that's still a new process that you're going through and doing something that you haven't really done before and logging those hours if you want to fly a plane you don't just go to the go to the airport and say all right cool i got i bought a pilot's hat over at the store the other day it was halloween time and i knew I, this was my opportunity <laughs> got my pilot's hat jumping in the plane let's go take off you have no clue how to even get that thing off the <laughs> off the pavement you have to go through process of learning and growing and developing and go through that. So there, there are times that we are we are just going by the, the ability to listen to the Holy Spirit and letting Him open the doors as, as time goes. And it's like, wow, this is incredible, the things that I'm able to be involved with, and it's, it's amazing. But the other times where you have to rely on being able to say, I've studied to show myself approved in this area, and I'm, I'm still learning as I'm, as I'm driving, New driver still learning things here or there, but i've at least gone through the process to where I can take hold of the driver's wheel and start to navigate through some things And so paul lets us know hey look I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of these things But one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus I was uh yeah, I'll go there. I was uh thinking about this this message earlier this week and I started to to write some things down and the reason why I named this this message the pendulum is because I feel like there are times that we could end up in a place where we thinking a little bit like Paul, maybe you feel like before you knew Christ, you were doing all kinds of things that were not honoring to God. But then there's a point to where you went from being like an absolute American heathen to swinging that pendulum all the way to the other side to where now you are just fighting to make up for all the things that you had accomplished in those times that you could be ashamed of or shame, feel shameful of doing. And now you're just fighting really hard to just pursue after just doing all the things to make up for these, these, these bad behaviors. And so your pursuit is a better appearance. Your pursuit is just to follow after a bunch of rules so that people can now elevate you and, and make you feel better about doing that. And the problem is, is that when you're only running away from your sin, you will end up running into more sin. It will just be dressed differently. You will run away from, from doing things that are dissatisfactory towards what the Bible presents to us. And you're like, cool, I don't want to do those things anymore. I just want to follow everything the Bible says. Then you just do a bunch of rules and you end up looking more phar- pharisaical. Especially towards people who are doing the same things that you may have been doing before. You're like, that sin, that sin's the worst sin. That sin's the, the most terriblest of all the sins that could ever be of committed by an individual ever, for sure. The most horriblestest of all the sins. That's the one. You sinner. But in reality, the things that you're pursuing is, is, is just to not be that person anymore and to be accepted by another group of individuals. You just went from one posse to another. that pendulum whoosh, swung to the other side but you're still you're still on the hinge point of sin it just looks differently just packaged differently however when your pursuit is after Jesus and nothing else then you will find that he will peel those layers off of shame, of regret, of insignificance, because your faith is now found in Him. It's not in yourself, in your ability to make things better for yourself. Your pursuit is now for the relationship that you have with Christ, and not just to be involved with as many activities as you can to give you validation of your significance. I press on towards the prize. It ends up looking kind of like uh, like a story. There's a story by Edgar Allan Poe um, called The Pit in the Pendulum. Anybody ever heard of this story? Yeah, wild story. There's been lots of movies and stuff made after this. Um, the, the historicity of the of that story is, is questioned, but the story itself is fascinating to look into and to, and to study. I, I just wanna read just a, a an overall plot plot line for you guys so you guys can can see. I'm, we're not gonna go through I'm not gonna go through the entire <laughs> Uh, the entirety of his writings, but I'm just going to read this little synopsis of this, and then uh, we'll go into this, and we'll end with with this story here. But the Pit and the Pendulum, uh, by Edgar Allan Poe. It's the the unnamed narrator is brought to trial before siner- sinister judges of the Spanish Inquisition, charged with offenses that are never stated. As seven tall white candles on the table slowly burn down the narrator feels his hopes of survival diminishing as well. He is condemned to death, whereupon he faints and later awakens to find himself in a totally dark room. At first, the prisoner thinks that he is locked in a tomb, but then he discovers that he's in a cell. He decides to explore the cell by placing a scrap of his robe against the wall so that he can count the paces around the room. But he faints before he can measure the whole perimeter. When he reawakens, he discovers food and water nearby. He tries to measure the cell again and finds that the perimeter measures 100 steps. While crossing the room, he trips on the hem of his robe and falls. His chin landing at the edge of a deep pit. He realizes that he had not tripped. If if he had not tripped, he would have fallen into this pit. After losing consciousness again, the narrator discovers that the prison is slightly illuminated and that he is strapped to a wooden frame on his back, facing the ceiling. Above him is a picture of Father Time holding a pendulum, measuring one foot, From horn to horn, the pendulum is swinging back and forth, slowly descending, designed to kill the narrator eventually. However, he is able to attract rats to him by smearing his bonds with the meat left over for him to eat. The rats chew through the straps, and then he slips free just before the pendulum, can slice his chest, begin slicing into his chest. The pendulum is withdrawn into the ceiling and the walls become red hot and start to move inwards, forcing him slowly towards the center of the room and into the pit. As he loses his last foothold and begins to topple in, he hears a roar of voices and trumpets. The wall retracts and an arm pulls him to safety the French army has captured the city of Toledo, and the Inquisition has fallen into its enemy's hands. Wild story, wild story. When you're going through it, this says that this is this was one of his, his just a very suspenseful horror um, uh, piece of literature, as you would walk as you as you would go through and read it. But I think that this kind of depicts what it looks like for us as we are navigating through trying to go from one thing of salvation to another outside of Christ. He's standing in front of these judges, sinister judges, which seems like it could, could closely mirror a life that is, that is lived in sin. It doesn't matter what it is that the, the, the evil outcome of that trial is going to be the, that you're condemned. You're condemned to death and then you end up in this in this dark place, you think it's a tomb, but then you realize it's not really a tomb, It's a cell. It's a prison now that you are, that you're a part of, that you're living in. Not being able to see, trying to navigate around. It's overwhelming to the point of your senses not being able to to tell what's happening and you pass out so you go from one from one thing to another and then and then you try to get up and you feel like there could be some hope there's some food maybe some water and you try to step it out and then you trip and stumble barely evading a pit so then you're like wow that was pretty substantial then you go from one thing to another and then then you find that you're now on your back and you're looking up and you're attached to this this wooden table and and you find this pendulum is swinging back and forth and trying to go for one thing then then relying on rats to try to deliver you from the place of of oppression and suppression and and potential death and then as that death looks like it's coming upon then you move from that space feeling like you're saved and then the walls start moving in as they're red hot. scalding red hot and it's moving closer and closer and closer and closer into imminent death and you realize there's nothing more that you can do on your own there's no other escape plan there's no other opportunity to get from this place to that place you've you've completely exhausted every single one of the opportunities you could have had for escape and then finally you realize that there is something out there that was much greater and more powerful than what you were able to accomplish. The horns blow. And you feel that hand reach down and take you out from that room. We go from one thing to another many times, seeking after our own significance, our own salvation, when in reality, the system that is made in a life of sin is one that will just completely make you run ragged to the point of realizing that there is no hope in this current situation. And there's only one way out, and that is somebody else can reach in and pull you from that place. And when we call out, when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit whispering that you need to come to me, then we can realize that that hand is reaching out for us to grab onto. We seek after one side of the pendulum to the other, and we need to completely... remove ourselves from that system the system of sin the system of trying to be significant the system of trying to be overtly um, dependent on self and we need to do what paul says is we need to quit looking at things that are behind and leave that back there you need to squint and whenever you squint whenever you whenever you 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 do this 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 activity it's not because you can't see you need glasses, but you 're straining you 're pushing when a runner strains a, a, it's it whenever I used to run track there was this this race it was called the 400, uh, 400 meter relay. One of the most fun events I think of the entire track meet is you have four different athletes that are on a team a relay team, and they 're supposed to run a lap each around the track it's they call it a four hundred meter dash, but it 's kind of a dash, but it 's not really a dash because it's pretty far, so for someone to run at top speed for that long is pretty difficult. Um, but you need to have endurance to be able to extend yourself to that position. And I was on a relay team uh, in, in high school, and it was always super fun to be a part of that, uh, that process. Bless, bless the Lord. Nice rain. It was always super fun to be a part of it because you also didn't do that by yourself. You had to have a team that was along with you, and, and when you would run— you would take off, and, and the first 100 meters, that first little loop, is, is pretty easy. You're like, all right, cool, I'm finding my rhythm. You get on the straightaway on the back end, and you're, you're really running. It's like, oh, this is cool. I've got a straightaway. I can kind of see if I can pass maybe some of the guys that are around me. And then you get around. Once you start to hit that other bend, that, that after that 150 meters, you're finding, whoa, this is, my legs are a little tired right now. This is, this is getting a little more difficult. I'm starting to breathe a little heavier. This is, whoo. And then you want to push yourself because you know that you're on a relay team that if you have a slower time, you could have the entire team lose because you didn't do the job that you were supposed to. And then so you start straining and they have this thing called the kick at the end of your of your performance. You just kick it. And that's that's where you just go all out and you give every single bit of energy, every single bit of determination, every single bit of your breath to this last part of the race. And that's around one hundred and fifty meters where you just take everything that you have and you take off as hard and far as you can. And at the end of that, I mean, the last last hundred meters, you're, you're on that straightaway and you're running. And you're like, oh my gosh. You start, your legs start doing doing one of these numbers right here. it's just like, oh, this is the, the jello is setting in. You know, it's like, have you ever like slapped jello and watched the jello just go like that on the plate? Like your legs feel like that while you're running. You just can't hardly get through it. And then you're, you're panting. But you also like have adrenaline surging through your system because you feel... The, either the footsteps of the people behind you, as as they're trying to approach, or maybe you're you're reaching to get past someone who's right in front of you. You're taking off, and it it's more and more and more and more, and then you're gritting and you're determining, and and sometimes the wind is right in your face. You got to squint your eyes, and you're just peeling yourself forward, and then finally you get to the place where you can hand off that baton, and then you can fall on the floor and be relieved that you were done with that race, until the next time they force you to run that awful thing that is so amazing. determination not to look backward because if you look backward in the middle of the race it's not going to help you a because it's hard to stay on the straight and narrow path that's set for you can't stay in your lane you start to migrate through have you ever tried to turn around and talk to somebody while you're moving forward and you end up bumping into somebody on the other side it's just the, the way that it works so you can't walk a straight line successfully every single time if you're looking backwards If you're running as fast as you can and as hard as you can and you're looking backwards, you're also going to end up tripping whenever your legs are in that jello state. But if your eyes are peeled forward and you're looking and determined and you're straining towards that specific goal, knowing that I need to get to that person as fast and as hard as I can, regardless of the scenario and the things that are happening outside here, if I just do my job by sprinting after the one that I'm supposed to hand this to, then all things will be able to work the way that that they should. And I will perform at the highest level that I possibly can in that moment. We do not need to sit and worry about what everybody else is doing or look at our past and what we have or have not accomplished. We need to have our eyes set forward on the prize, on the goal. Get rid of the pendulum swing to where you're going one side and another. You're living this kind of roller coaster lifestyle where you just seem to go from one sin. And then you come back into what you feel like you're you're doing good because you're just attending church. and You're doing a couple things. You know, maybe you haven't said a couple curse words today or whatever the thing was that you feel has, has been the good gauge of you doing well. But then you feel like you're back into sin. The problem is not that you are just moving into sin. It's that you're still attached to the pendulum of self-satisfaction and appeasing the flesh. You're living by your own standard of success when in reality you need to remove yourself from that situation and realize that the Holy Spirit has reached his hand out and he's wanting to be a part of an active community with you, an active involvement in your life. And you need people to be a part of that. You need others to be a part of that. You need to be faithful in, in, in pursuing after Jesus on your own as well. You cannot rely, again, it's the Dietrich Bonhoeffer's quote, to be aware of those who, who can only be alone but they can't be in community and then be aware of those who can only be in community but cannot be alone. It's like y- you you live on either of those two spectrums, relying on other people or relying on yourself for all the things that you need when in reality we need to rely on the holy spirit we need to have relationship with the holy spirit and you need to have good relationships with people who have great relationships with the holy spirit i am so thankful for my wife all the time because she's a great proponent of being able to hear for the holy spirit things that i can't see in my own life because i'm blind to them because i'm just used to stuff you need people in your life who can call out certain stuff that you can't see and then if you are listening to the holy spirit he will say, he'll, he'll sit there in the room with that person who's also telling you stuff and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you got to sit there and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have to be faithful to listen. We have to be faithful pr- to pursue. It's not by my works that I'm saved. It's not by my own righteousness that I'm able to have a relationship with Jesus. It's the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross. And then he didn't just die, but he rose from the grave. And then he sent the Holy Spirit so that we can have great communion with him here on earth. Eternity happened when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's when eternity started for you. It doesn't start after you pass away. We have a beautiful relationship with the eternal God right now, right here, today. So let's stop looking behind at those things. Let's push forward. Let's push forward. Let's stand. Let's not be caught in the pit and the pendulum. Let's not get caught in a cyclical process of trying to please ourselves and our own idea of what it means to follow after Jesus. We cannot live by opinion. We have to go to the word and see what Jesus says. That's that's the greatest perspective that we can gain. and its review, Paul stated it at the very beginning of this chapter. It does not trouble me to write these things to you again. It should not trouble us to have to have conversations again and again at times. Sometimes we need it so that it can really sink in we shouldn't be aggravated that we are asked to, to read the Bible multiple times. There's so many layers to it that it's important for us to be able to read it and, and it to become a part of us so that we can, we can be attentive and listening when the Holy Spirit brings something up to us. So I want to pray for you guys, and then also I want to invite, if there's anybody that you feel like this has been um, something that you're dealing with in your own life to where you've been stuck on the pendulum for a while, And you want to get off that pendulum. You would like some prayer. Then. We would love to pray with you. If You feel like maybe you've been you've been in the pit. You feel like that story of. Of the unknown narrator. That you're like that's me right now. I'm just going from one thing to another. I feel like I'm stumbling around and like everything is just terrible. And I need some prayer. Because I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit has his hand out. So, Father, I just pray for each and every person in this room. Lord, I pray that, that we're able to gain and 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 garner the things that you have for us out of the Scripture. Lord, thank you for Paul's, Paul's words that are so encouraging to us. Not to look back at our past and and be stuck in that place and feel like we're We're wandering around this pit of despair and and like we have a death sentence that we're just waiting to be completely executed, but still fighting for our lives. But Lord, let us let us be satisfied with your salvation. Let us be excited to to learn and to grow and to be sharpened as iron sharpens iron. Let us let us also be excited to to sharpen one another. In love and compassion and, and grace and humility. we want to honor you with what with what we do and with what we say what do we want to strain forward thank you that you have grace for us in the middle of our process and that you uh, your wisdom is it's much greater than anything else that we could have come up with on our own and that and that you gave us the the wonderful gift of community Let us be satisfied in the moments when we are alone with you. And let us be satisfied in the moments that we are, we are with one another. We give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen, amen. You guys have a wonderful Sunday. If you would like prayer, come on up here. We'd love to pray with you. If you see my wife, wish her a happy birthday tomorrow. We'll see you guys next week.